Here we go. Hey there, folks. This is your host, Cameron Ivey of Privacy Please, and thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. Tell your friends about it if you like it. If you don't, let's just pretend you didn't listen to it. Thanks again for coming in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Alrighty then, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Privacy Please. I am your host, Cameron Ivey, and with me, as always, Mr. Gabe Gums. We have a very special episode today. We have the wonderful Debbie Reynolds, the Data Diva, part two. Uh, she's coming back on. We're going to talk about back to school, data privacy. Uh, we talk a little Apple. We talk a bunch of stuff. I don't want to give it away. So we're going to go ahead and dive in. I did want to promote uh, Debbie's podcast, which is the Data Diva Talks Privacy Podcast. Uh, so if you haven't had a chance, go ahead and check her out and support her. Uh, she's awesome, super knowledgeable, very sweet, and she will, uh, she will entertain you as well. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, let's dive in. Did you? Did you press the button this time? Yeah, did we're you, good. Did you now. turn it on? Now we're, did you press well, the on button? When we originally started, <laughs> I did. When we originally started recording, everybody had the uh, the red recording besides me. So I was like, okay, I'm not recording. That's not good. Oh, is that what happened? Okay, I see. I mean, I'm not that important, but oh, you know, it's. I wanted to make sure I could be heard on some of the. Things I don't even know said. if it's half a show without you. To be honest, that's not how this works. It's <laughs> really not how this works at all. Like, that's it's fair. like having two spark plugs in the car. Like you need all the spark plugs in the car. The car doesn't go. It's not. That's right. You can't get by on one spark plug. That's not a thing. That's right. No, that's, that's not right. a thing. You guys are amazing. So, so Debbie, funny. So funny. <laughs> what have you been up to? I know you. Uh, we. You know, Gabe was obviously talking about uh, your show and how that's going and everything. What What else have you been doing um, for our listeners that uh, tuned into your first episode with us? Now that this is part two. With the, yeah, the, the, the. part two. So actually, uh, I was telling Gabe that you were the person that got me to spill the beans that I was actually planning a podcast. So after that, it put the heat on me to actually do it. So it's been almost been a year now since I've done that. And it's been pretty well received, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've been really excited about it. Um, I'm actually having fun working uh, with re really interesting clients, working on things like emerging technology stuff in the identity space, uh, things in smart cities. Uh, so to me, it's fun. So I'm happy that there are um, clients or people who are thinking about privacy in proactive ways and then for me it's fun because i'm a technologist so mm -hmm. just to get to work with other you know work with developer groups as well as kind of the compliance and legal teams is fun for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it has been a very interesting time watching more folks get proactive which is uh it's good right like i mean ultimately that's that's one of the things that we've wanted um 
what do you see driving that from your from the the folks you're interacting with? What's what's making them get proactive? Is it I'm going to be more competitive in the marketplace? Is it is it the right thing to do and I will do it? Is it like the regulation tells me I must and so I shall, or some combination of all that? Uh, you know what? It's mostly um, I would say it's a barrier to adoption. Mm. So typically you have people say, I want to sell my product in Sweden, but I can't (laughs) Uh because there are some kind of impediment, whether it's legal or technical. A lot of times it's technical. So it's the way that they built it or the way they designed it in some way. So, uh, you know, that that's good, right? That's like impetus. You know, that's a stopping point where they were thought, let's like run to the finish line and then figure out privacy later where, you know, certain companies are like, like we're not going to sign this contract until you can answer these yeah. questions and sort of demonstrate. So it has an operational perspective. So it's not just, you know, check the box and, you know, just, you know, prop- make these, you know, tall promises without being able to um, figure out whether you can comply or not. Mm. So I actually should have let in with this is this is the back to school episode of Privacy Please podcast with none other than Debbie Reynolds, the data diva. And I and, and I bring mm-hmm. that up. I bring that up to, to because I, I, there are a series of, of things that I wanted to discuss with the audience. And, you know, from a quote unquote back to school perspective, which is to say there are a lot of things that you know, everyone should be doing to ensure is they make their way to send their families back out into the world that they make sure they keep themselves safe. But I don't want to get to that part just yet. Okay. I want to get to the part where a lot of, a lot of professionals have spent the last couple of months, like we were discussing earlier, it's been summertime. So things for a number of folks haven't been kind of as hot and heavy. Um, you know, folks carve out quite a bit more time for family matters and those things over the months, but summer's over. It's time to get back to That's work. Right. It's time to get back to work. It's still hot, though. It's still really hot. It is hot. <laughs> it is so very hot. It's so hot. I don't oh, care if you're in New York, Chicago, Florida. It's hot. Yeah. It's hot. If you're out west, it's hot for the wrong reasons. It's hot. It's just all kinds yeah. of hot. Streets are hot. I just had to throw that out there. I'm sorry. No, Dad. you're not wrong. You're not wrong. This <laughs> no, is, no, this no, is no. not the cool down episode, though, but it is hot. That's, That's right. That's right. But in the but in the spirit of getting back to the business of privacy, what are the top priorities you're seeing, Debbie, in terms of what folks are getting back to? Um, any initiatives that maybe they couch for a while and now they're getting back to it, such as entering new markets and now they've got to update their technology stack? Totally. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of activity and movement uh, on the international scene in terms of kind of new regulations and some of the some some cases are coming out, so there are some interesting uh, opinions uh, that people are kind of looking at really closely about how they sort of work. Uh, you know that that Apple has been doing this privacy push to some extent uh, with kind of their app transparency, and then you know then now they're sort of doing different things with like scanning people's phones or whatever. So I think from a privacy perspective, it is going to be really interesting probably i think it's going to be really busy for the next probably i don't know 
18 to 24 months. So there's a lot going to be changing in the next two years, I would say. So there are a lot of regulations that got passed that that go into effect in like 2023. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's some stuff in the EU with standard contract clauses that have kind of hard stop coming like next December. Uh, You know, technology is not stopping, so it's continuing to go forward. And so kind of the legal stuff is lagging behind but i think it's just going to be a very active period can we double back to the apple thing um because all of that happened while school was out so to speak right so right yeah. a couple of things happened actually and you you spoke it about did. you spoke about tiktok's change in their terms of service and what they're now doing in terms of capturing um things from your voice uh <clears throat> so your voice prints stuff of that nature and, and now you've, you've got apple and they are ostensibly fingerprinting your photos Fingerprinting seems to be the thing that folks decided they were gonna they, they were gonna do while school was at. Like they were just gonna go around and start fingerprinting the world. What happened while we weren't paying attention? Uh, well, I guess what happened is that there is a lot of money to be made in fingerprinting, so that's what happened. Follow the money. <laughs> Somebody did the math on that and said, "Hey." We can make money on this. So it's sort of like a what's it, subterfuge mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, it's like, hey, let's do this thing over here. But then later they're going to be like, oh, well, we're going to do this other thing. So that's probably what's going to happen, I think. Hmm. The world's reaction to Apple's uh, <clears throat> to Apple's update to their their policy or, or at least publicly stating what they were doing, I thought was equally interesting, which is to say, you know, most people push back and, and, and agree that it's a bit of a slippery slope once technology companies and governments start looking through your personal digital files for, mm-hmm. for, for criminal activity. We can mm-hmm. all agree that we want the criminal activity to not exist and to make sure that we are prosecuting and capturing mm-hmm. and locating those individuals. Mm-hmm. But I think a fair amount of us agree equally that we do not want, we do not need and want that at the expense of, of allowing governments and technology companies for that sake into all of the corners of our lives. Um, yeah. And Apple's response to the world's response was equally interesting. They double mm-hmm. down. Right. Well, because they can. That's <laughs> So they're doing it because they can. So when you have the data, you can do many things. So it's not a like Fourth Amendment right thing because that's Fourth Amendment rights are about you and the government, right? So mm-hmm. this is data that you've given them that they, it, because, uh, because you're in the U.S., you don't have the right not to share. <laughs> so that's something that people in the EU have that we don't have here in the U.S. So I want that, right? It's going to be really interesting. And then, so, you know. Oh, sorry. Debbie, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was, this, is, this is super fascinating for me because, okay, just to make sure, Gabe, we're talking about the, the thing that Apple uh, basically pops up when you're using an app to either share your data or not share it. Oh, no, 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 no. We, yeah, no, not that, not that we, we discussed that before. This is Apple okay. scanning all of the photos that you upload to iCloud looking for child pornography. Ah, yeah. When was, okay. Yeah, I see, something. that's what happens while we were out of school. So, all right. I'll yeah. go ahead and edit this out. Great. This is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. No need to edit no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's nice. no, because I do want to touch on that topic that I just brought up, but we'll go back to that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's stay. Let's stay on this because this is actually even more interesting. Yeah. So I, I have many thoughts about this. First of all, 
when companies want to do something that probably people would object to, they kind of bring in child safety. So right. child safety is kind of the reason. And then, they're, oh, we're going to do this thing. It's the big boogeyman but, that gets everybody to go, oh, no, no, well, the children. Oh, and what right. you think of the yeah, children? Right. Please think exactly. of the children. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, my thing, and I always say, you know, if you want to find a needle in a haystack, why would you create a bigger haystack? So the logic is really not there, in my opinion. The logic is not there. You know, it creates almost like a, a guilty until proven innocence thing. And I don't know any time in history where collecting more data ever helped anybody. So, um, you know, I'm concerned by kind of the over collection or over. Well, I, think th- I think there is one answer, sort of- right? It's the NSA. That's that's the one answer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's like, it's not the whole, I don't have anything to hide. It's like, why amass this amount of data? You know, let's say statistically, let's say the criminal element in the world, let's say all crime, maybe that's 5%. So 5% of everyone in the world is criminal. So that means that you're collecting data on 95% of <laughs> Of everyone else. So to me, again, that is, you know, I, f- I find that very curious. And, and, you know, I'm concerned, again, about just the over collection of stuff because it may be meant for a good purpose. Right. But, you know, we are seeing even like in Iraq where <clears throat> where we have troops that have left. And so we have people who are taking over things like facial recognition or iris scan databases that were never intended for them to ever see. So now you have a situation where you have very sensitive data that cannot be changed, right? That could actually put people in danger. So that to me is a problem when you're over collecting or you're collecting more information where, you know, it may not be anybody's intent, right? That data falls into the wrong hands, but especially when you're dealing with data about, you know, people's physicality, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I think that's that's an issue. <clears throat> what so what was the main purpose of this of this new I guess it's not a feature, yeah, but it's what, a child what, what safety feature, right? And and so in that last update, um what it does is it's looking for for what they said were quote sexually explicit um photos. Um and it flags those. And as I understand it, it's not it's not actually like looking to see if there's like, you know, certain amounts of skin or flesh, those, et cetera. What, what, what I understand, and I could be completely wrong, one of our users should write in and keep me honest here, is mm-hmm. that uh, yeah. what it is doing is looking for fingerprints of known images, right? So like they found known bad things in these, you know, people's environments, their computers, et cetera. They know it's bad. And then they're looking for those same things in other places. So I don't think, as I understand it again, it's not explicitly looking for, you know, looking through your photos and going, wait a second, is that, is that genuinely just, you know, a friendly baby picture or is that something right. nefarious? Um, but that is the problem, right? It, it, it does become the, it, it does very much become the, you know, who's, who, who then watches the watchers in that sense, right? Like, right. you know, when, right. when someone can simply say, ah, that device, that guy, he had the thing, put him away. It's like. Right. It's, and if they're mistaken, it's like, how do you fight your way out of that? If you're mistaken. That? Oh, man. You know, that's yeah. the problem. Yeah. And so 
you know, even though, you know, let's say they say statistically, you know, less than 1% of people are are mistaken, right? That's still a lot of people. And if that 1% is you, I mean, that means everything. You know, that could ruin your whole life, even if it's not true or even if it's proven not to be true. So basically what, what they're doing, so there there are, there is a database, right? Uh, that has known images of this uh, the objectionable material and it's added to right over time. And basically they create, it's almost like hashes or some technological way that they can match those images to other images. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that they're going to run this system, you know, oh. using this database, to see if people have these images and then, they have a parental thing. If you have like a parental, right. like, say you have a kid and a plan or something That's, like you have a family plan. So if your kid gets like an image or something from there, they'll alert the parent. And so, you know, there's been a lot of things can happen from there. So let's say a kid hasn't is gay and it hasn't come out to their parents or something. You know, I, no. I don't know. I mean, there are just a lot of ways that this can go that I don't think would be good. You know what I'm saying? So that I is think- the other half of the coin. They will scan images coming into like you can flag an account as being under 13 and it will it will flag any images that is being sent or received by that child. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I mean, what, what first comes to my mind is the biggest concern is we know how corrupt uh, there's a lot of corrupt people in the world um, that. Do you think that this makes things? Oh, it, does it open up uh, possibilities for those people that actually have? Uh, I'm pretty sure I've heard of websites where people actually, you know, they search for kids like this kind of stuff. Does yeah. this make it easier for those people to find kids that uh, you know overseas and stuff like that that uh, that do these these evil things? Um, does that kind of open things up for them with this this whole new? situation i don't know if it opens things up i think uh, I, I think the problem is so you know my view is you know sort of law law enforcement has their job and they know how to target people and it's sort of like a you know more targeted strategic look at something as opposed to boiling like the ocean to like get a yeah. fish you know what i'm saying so I think my issue is that, uh, you know, once you get all this information, you know, they can't, there's nothing, there's nothing legally that says that they can't change their mind about what they're looking for, right? So let's say that's what they're looking for today. And let's say tomorrow they want to look for people who steal cars, you know what I'm saying? Or they want to look for people who like red shoes. So there's there's no legal clowns. Stop it! Right? There's nothing that will stop them from being yeah. able to change what they're looking for. And even for you know, from a law enforcement point of view, you know, they will be happy to not have to get a warrant because right. hey, this data is right here. You know, so sometimes when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Right. You know? Right. I mean, and there's the classic scenario of what happens when, you know, the government starts looking for folks that are sharing what they consider subversive material, right? Like that slope right. is that slope is not uh Yeah. Yeah. It's not stable. Yeah, like I can go to McCarthyism and you know, just sort of I don't know. I don't know. It it I don't you know, I guess I'll go back to sort of the privacy as being a human right. 
and the EU. And a lot of things we're talking about are not being even looked at being done in the EU in that way, right? So even though the the EU and Australia and some other countries, a lot of the Five Eyes countries are want to pass laws that are in this vein, right? So something related to some child exploitation, and because of that, we need more data and stuff like that. So they're sort of trying to do this, you know, in different places. But, you know, when I think about, um, you know, privacy being a fundamental human right and the EU's constitution, you know, part of that was because of the misuse of data with Nazi Germany and people being, you know, having their life or their liberty, liberty uh, taken away as a result of that. So that's really deeply entrenched um, in Europe and the way that they think about it. And so, in, uh, and I think with 9-11, so I would say the U.S. and the EU are different, right, in terms of what they think about privacy. And But when you think about, you know, both of them, both, you know, nations sort of came together and said, you know, we think we want to we want to secure our country, right? But they decided to go about it two different ways. So in Europe, they're like, in terms of data, you know, we need to collect less data because when we collect more data, people can abuse it, right? And then in the U.S., we say, well, we need more data so we can, you know, handle terror or whatever. So we're sort of going about it. Into, we're two totally different or opposite ways that we're going about you know, trying to solve that security issue. Mm-hmm. It's been a busy summer, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. On the U.S. side of things, any any movements on the state-level privacy uh, bills that have been winding their way through various uh, legislative committees worth commenting on? Yeah, so Colorado recently passed something uh, somewhat like CCPA, not exactly, yeah, but in the same vein, uh, Colorado has done that. Virginia has passed the law. Uh, I think both of these go into effect in 2023, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they are, I guess they're different enough to be annoying, right? So <laughs> I guess the, the general thing is... Um, in the U.S., before we start passing these state-level laws, the U.S. was more of a notice uh, country where uh, a company using our data, they would just have to let you know, right? So, you know, every year you get, like, this bank notice, the privacy policy, right, and that no one looks at and they throw it away because it's in, like, an envelope or something like that, or... You drive on the mid, the you know side of the road, and you're like, "Hey, don't fall into this pothole." So that's like really all they have to do <laughs> at this point. But what the state level regulations are doing, this new in the U.S. is that they're bringing in sort of this consent element to other data types. So obviously, you have to have some level of consent for things like finance or health health records when you're sharing patient provider information, right? But now they're saying these state laws are trying to say, okay, for these other types of data that aren't covered by these other federal laws, uh, we want people to companies to ask for consent. And they're sort of rating or grading uh, data types. So they're 
saying, you know, this is more sensitive and this is less sensitive. So things that are more sensitive, there may be more fines there. There may be more strict um, obligations for for uh, for businesses in terms of how they handle it. So that's sort of how consent is being handled here in the U.S. Um, uh, the EU has always been very consent driven, right? So they, they give less data, right? So you have to ask for a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff you can't get. Uh, so I think that that's one thing that we're borrowing from the EU where we're sort of moving more towards con- the consent end of things. So I don't know if we'll have that at a federal level at some point, but definitely the states are going in that direction. Interesting. We haven't gotten to talk about this with with you, Debbie. But uh, can we go back to the? Uh, not to give Apple such a highlight, but I'm just curious on your take with with the feature of you know allowing you to choose, um, you know, for them to track your data inside mm-hmm. of an app. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about it. I think we actually talked about some of that kind of stuff on our first episode with you. If I'm not mistaken, because I think that was one of uh, one of your big big things that you touched on, but I would love to hear your take on it and what you think some advantages or disadvantages of it for consumers might be. Sure. Uh, so, you know, I think it's an advantage to consumers because, it, well, it's an advantage to business and consumers. So, it's an advantage to consumers because it makes it easier for you to manage your consent to your data sharing. And it gives you more visibility than maybe you didn't have before, or you didn't really understand how your data is being shared. So I don't know about you, but a lot of people don't read like the 80 page privacy policy or terms of service. So, you know, you're doing something, you say, yes, 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 yes. So I think it's great. You know, like, I like the fact that you know, if a if a app is recording you, it'll have like a little red dot on your phone. So you may you you may be using an app and you're like, hey, what what's this red dot? Like, oh my god, like I have to change the setting, or you know, I had a situation where I had a, a public document that I copied to like the Google Drive and I want to share it with another app, and the way that I was sharing it, it it gave me a message that said, if you share this document from your Google Doc, what you're really doing is giving this app uh, permission to look at everything in your Google Drive. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't normally think that, right? But I'm saying you would think, okay, all, all I want to do is share this one doc. With, it was like a translation app or something. That's really all I want to do. And that's what normal people would think, right? But right. this is sort of, you know, a lot of what we're doing, we're not understanding sort of what's involved. So I like the fact that they're doing that. And then the flip side of that for business is that, you know, what Apple is proving is that privacy can be profitable. So, uh, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that they started this push and they had their, you know, most profitable quarter ever in Q4, um, mm-hmm. you know, 2020. So I think that that's correlated in some way. So I think instead of thinking about privacy as a tax, I think what Apple has proven is that people do care about their privacy and companies that help people manage their privacy can make money and be profitable. So that's good for all of us, right? Right. Um, but I think the, the the underlying theme of what Apple is doing and what will be happening in the next few months and years is that 
a lot of these regulations are putting more obligations on first party data holders. So there, you know, if you think back to the Facebook Cambridge Analytica thing where, you mm-hmm. know, Cambridge Analytica, they had this access, they were able to do this friends of friends thing. And then they were get gotten all this data. That, and then, you know, it was kind of like people pointing fingers like you should have done this or you should have done that. Right. So what we're seeing with the regulations, they're saying, look, we're going to put more stringent obligations on first party data holders. And then, you know, if and then you in turn have to do watch what your third party companies that you're dealing with are 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 handling. So what Apple is doing in essence and what we're going to see a lot of companies, these big companies do is try to limit their third party data risk. So that move about the app transparency, you know, it benefits us, right? Because it helps us, but really it was a legal move to limit their third party risk. So instead of they're telling the third party or these apps, like, look, I as Apple have a first party relationship with this person and they allow me to do all types of things with their data, but you don't have that relationship. So you can ask for that. You can d- develop your own relationship with this person, mm-hmm. and then they can decide whether they're going to give you this data or not. So that's what's happening. Yeah, because at the end of the day, Apple is a business. That's right. Right. So I think I, I think the app transparency stuff is a byproduct of that legal move <laughs> that they made. So we just happen to benefit from it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where we For have- now. Right, for now. So, like, just like we're not benefiting from this other thing they're trying to do. <laughs> so, yeah. But then, you, you think, know, a database like that would be very valuable. Do you think that uh, there are any implications that this could backfire um, down the road? Which one? It, the app transparency? Um, ha- <clears throat> yeah, having the app transparency. Um, because doesn't that give... I mean, that's obviously causing a war between other companies because of this, I I believe. Um, But do you think that there's any kind of backfire that could potentially be harmful to Apple? But I mean, I guess that could be always up in the air, but. Yeah. Well, Apple probably won't run out of money before the earth crashes into the sun. So (laughs) for them, I don't think there's any downside. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> just because of who they are. So maybe a company that isn't as well funded as Apple or is as ubiquitous as Apple, and to have Kinda all like Boost these, Mobile or something. Yeah, I mean this is like huge. <laughs> they have like a, this huge business to consumer, you know, relationship with people, and they're moving from products to services, which means they're going to be even more entrenched, you know, <laughs> in people's lives. So. Because they're Apple, they can do that, and they it's like no downside, <laughs> yeah. no downside for them. So I, I I still think they really prove the point that that privacy could be profitable, as opposed to people making it like grudgingly like a tax. So what I'm seeing is more companies being smart and saying, you know, if I help the consumer, and consumers need help, right? If I help them protect themselves or I help them educate themselves, I can, uh, you know, sell my product and make money. Speaking of education, Mm -hmm. back to school episode. Mm -hmm. Um, 
what are some of the things that uh, universities and students and just anyone in general, you know, families that have kids and going to school and all that kind of stuff, what are some of the things that they should be looking out for, you know, going back to school now, um, what that means around their privacy and security? Yeah, I I think just in general, you know, we've seen during the pandemic that cyber attacks have gone up exponentially, right? Um, because, you know, what a cyber criminal wants to do is get you off your game. And I think we can all agree that a lot of people were off their game and then some during the during the pandemic. So it was kind of fertile ground for for cyber criminals to take advantage of people's kind of emotional states and just being different, you know, not being in the office, you know, trying to figure out how to print from your house, you know, your kid writing their homework on your work documents, you know, so we were just all kind of crazy. So now that we're all going back, uh, people are going, kids are going back to school and people are going back to work. I think, you know, vigilance is important, but also what I always tell people, you know, if you want to share your data, you know, share it with the purpose, like a good purpose. You know, don't share it because, you know, someone gave you a 10% coupon off of a pair of shoes or something like that. You know, like make it a good, good reason. Debbie, but your house is on, your house can be for sale. I can sell it for you through a text message. <laughs> Just hit this link right here. Oh, hey, your car insurance is about to expire. Yeah. Give me a call back. Totally. And they're so, you know, all criminals, they don't do anything day and night, but think of trickery. So, and they're really good at it too. So it's kind of psychological manipulation. And some people are more prone to that uh, than other people. But I always tell people, you know, every day you see like a new scam come up or whatever that people, you know, fall for. But the really important thing is the thing to remember about those types of things is typically you're going to be contacted without you're going to be contacted out of the blue by someone you don't know. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, The second thing is they'll want you to do something fast. So they'll say, this is an emergency. You know, your social security number has been frozen, you know, call Mm -hmm. right away or whatever. So they really want to get you. And and then, and then the, the third thing, and this is what the pandemic has done is, they want to get you sort of off kilter, right? Like not being not in a normal state. So someone told you, oh my goodness, this person got hurt. Like your friend down the, the block got hurt. Like you would just totally like snap into like this whole different mode, right? So you're thinking more like, oh my God, this is this emergency. I got to like take care of it right away. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're not thinking in your normal state of mind. You've gone into sort of a different level of sort of operating. So, and they take advantage of that. So I think, you know, the first thing is don't, you know, when they say, oh, I do it right away, you don't have to do anything. So don't do nothing. And they will, will stop bothering you because they're like, well, this person isn't going to fall for this, you know, so. That's the that's those are like the top things I would say people do. And then just for kids and stuff, you know, I would say for parents, you know, I was lucky growing up where my parents, they were like very strict. So like we didn't we had one TV in our house growing up. And so they they sort of always monitored like what we watched and stuff we did. And so it's hard to do that when you have a kid with a cell phone and you know, they want to know the latest dance. And so, you know, all those messages that you aren't able to monitor as a parent, I think, 
you know, if you, there are technological ways that you can do that, you can monitor and also just talking with them to figure out what they're doing. Hey, there's a, there's uh, a making sure. I'm saying there's, you know. there's some advice. Yes. Talk to your children. Mm-hmm. Do not, do not let Apple yeah. have to be their parents. <laughs> Go ahead and talk to them. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like you want to know who they're talking to or whatever. Like I had a, I had a lady, uh, she was my assistant, and she said she wanted to invite her. She wanted to. She wanted to have a surprise party for her daughter, and she was looking on Facebook to find out who her friends were. She's like, "Are these real people, or is this like some like fifty year old guy?" You know what I'm saying? Like, so the word "friend" doesn't even have the same meaning that it did when we were growing up. Like, you know, mm-hmm. who, who are these point. people? You know, so it was kind of weird that she had to do this little investigation to figure out if these are real real humans. Are these bots? Are these adults? Like, who are these people? Mm. That's a good point. If you Going back to what you were saying about those good tips um, for, you know, ransomware attacks and just all that kind of stuff. First act on doing yeah. research before ever clicking or calling. Like, if you get an email from someone that works with you and you think it sounds weird or whatever, go directly to them and be like, hey, was this from you? Or um, same thing with like Facebook or just anyone trying to get through your social media, like look on their page first, see if they have any other photos, if they have activity, friends, that kind of thing. It's easy to know that, okay, this is a fake profile. Usually you can tell by the picture too, but yeah, um, it's just funny how that's still a thing or you, I get those every day. Oh, me too. I got one this morning about my car insurance or whatever. I'm like, these people, they're good too. Like they like, have that really <laughs> that sales voice and have all this energy and so oh my god like oh i'm like no thank you it's so funny <laughs> but um no but yeah but also just um just being vigilant and knowing that you you know you don't have to do anything <laughs> so don't feel the pressure to do anything because they'll lose interest because they're like oh this person isn't gonna do they're not gonna fall for this so i might as well leave right. them alone and uh, if you ever get a handwritten letter in the mail, um, that's that's also rare as well. <laughs> so that might be a real person. <laughs> Unless, I know that they have the fake ones that look like it's handwritten kind of thing, too. Um, but I just yeah. find that funny, too. Yeah. This, I, uh, a guy told me, he's a cybersecurity guy. He said he called his mom and... Um, He's like, hey, just call her randomly. Hey, what you doing? Because they don't live in the same town. So I'm on my way to the police station. And he's like, what? And he's like, someone said that they were going to cancel my social security number and meet them outside of the, uh, the police station with the money. And she was literally on her way to the police station. She was going to meet this no. guy and give him some cash. And like, if her son had not called her, then that's exactly what she would have done. And he, he was like, mom. Why'd you do this? And she's thinking, I don't want to get in trouble or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of older adults, it's like, oh my God, you know, again, you sort of go into like emergency mode, like, yeah. you know, like, you know, just like the mom that, you know, can lift up a car because she's like having this adrenaline or something like you go into this, this other thing. So yeah, talk to your family. Definitely. So it's not mm-hmm. just business, right? Like talk to your kids, talk to your Talk to your parents. Oh, my goodness. Try to get your parents mm-hmm. to do two-factor authentication. That'll make you pull your hair out. <laughs> your grandparents do two-factor two nope. authentication. <laughs> I'm not even going there. Not happening. 
My grandparents have two factors. Yeah, the first, the first factor is figuring it the hell out. Like, I don't even know where to put the password in. Right. It's the first factor. The second factor is remembering the damn password. I can't remember. They got all kinds of factors. They got like nine factors. The last factor is call up game to see where that gets you. That's right. Yeah. Full yeah, disclosure. That's this really gets you anyway. Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Just leave it closed. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any other topics around uh, back to school that we didn't touch on or anything that you wanted to bring up? Or Gabe, did you have any questions or anything on the, that we didn't talk about? Well, you know, it's back to school and back to work. You know, maybe kids were around more. You were, people, A lot of people were working from home, so they were accustomed to having the kids you know around a lot more i would just say you know be vigilant you know watch your watch your kids ask some questions about sort of their friends and the stuff that they're doing online um i had i knew a guy that he wouldn't let his children take their phones to their room so there was like a lock box or something that he would put there or he would take their phones at night right and then because he didn't want them having conversations with people that he wasn't aware of, or they have computers in common areas of the house, as opposed to in people's bedrooms, because they didn't want situations where, you know, the kid would be off on their own doing mm-hmm. stuff that they couldn't sort of, you know, monitor. So I don't know. I think in the modern age, I know growing up, it was easier for my parents because it's like, basically we just had a TV and a radio. And we didn't even have cable, so we weren't, we couldn't be influenced hardly any, you know, except watch a video or whatever. But you think the kids now, they have tablets, they have, you know, uh, laptops, you know, they have Netflix, they have, you know, not the Netflix is bad or YouTube. Anything, but, you know, it's just so many different channels of influence. And then you have their friends and you have stuff like cyberbullying, especially. You know, cyber stalking, cyber bullying. You know, I really, you know, if if I were a parent, I'd be really concerned about that because, you know, growing up, bullying was a problem even back then, right? But it would stop when you left school, but it doesn't stop now mm-hmm. because that continues, you know, on the internet. So just watching the way that your kid is behaving, right, um, around you know, social media or, you know, what's happening with their friends, especially if you feel like their behavior is changing, you know, just really watch that. That could be like, really, you know, a lot of people say, Oh my God, I didn't know that this was happening or, you know, this person was really impacted by that. So just having those open channels of communication is really important. It makes me fear my son growing up and going through <laughs> any of that. So I'm definitely going to be, very aware. <clears throat> COVID yeah. nine, COVID ninety nine will take care of a lot of that by then. By the time he's old enough, you're gonna have other things to worry about. This won't be it. This this won't be it. It's true. You'll be good. I think I'm more concerned about parents that aren't as tech savvy, right, and are not as knowledgeable and sort of are more innocent, yeah. innocent and not realizing that there's a lot of psychological ma- manipulation that happens because. You know, companies, they want to sell products, right? And they want your eyeballs on stuff. So they want your attention. So, you know, part of it is, you know, giving them other things to pay attention to so that they're not constantly inundated with messages from people that you don't know, stuff like that. It's true. It's scary. 
Um, but anyways, mm-hmm. I have some new questions for you. Oh, great. Um, since since our first episode, and <laughs> I'm excited to hear uh, your take on them. Oh, great! I love to be asked questions. And all right, um, <clears throat> so. This one we we've been asking a lot of people lately, and it's an interesting one. But um, how would you describe the color yellow to, to a blind person? Oh, the color yellow! I would say the color yellow is like oh, that's interesting. How would I say it? <laughs> I don't know. I would say the color yellow is like the the way the sun feels on your face. <laughs> I don't know. Sort of a brightness, I would say. So that's a good answer. You can answer. see it's like the sun hits your face. It's kind of a brightness. That's, that's a great answer, is. Debbie. That's a great answer. Oh, thank you. I like that because Thanks. the sun is very, very hot right now, and when you walk outside, <laughs> it hurts my skin. Oh, God damn. Right. Exactly. It's <laughs> like burning, burning. That's I'm I'm like. just too fair skinned. I used to get burned as a kid. I just I'm not a fan of it. You think that I would leave Florida? Yes. You need one of those, like, SPF 50 hats. <laughs> the big, gigantic ones. Like, Let's stop playing around. You need some melanin, bro. That's good for this <laughs> Vitamin D. That's correct. I take that in pill form. That's, That's what you're missing. <laughs> Let's stop beating exactly. around the bush here. That is the missing ingredient, my friend. That is the but, thing. That's I right. will say this. I did go see a dermatologist, and she did kind of shed some light on on this if you think about it this way because um, i do use face lotion for mm-hmm. you know when you get older you don't want, you want to try to maintain the wrinkles you and use all that it when kind you're of young stuff. too all you young folks too right. mm-hmm. not too early that's right that's right use that lotion on the face <laughs> that's right but but use one with uh spf because always over mm-hmm. time even if you're in the, even if you don't go outside but you go outside and you're driving for five always. minutes yeah. that five minutes over 20 years oh yeah you know what I mean? Like, I didn't think about it like that. Oh, yeah. So yeah. now I start using one with SPF and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you got to do SPF, especially your, uh, you know, you lack melanin. Mm-hmm. You need that. Mm-hmm. That does. or a hat. So I have an SPF. <laughs> or can all those I have an SPF hat. I don't want to look like the guy from you all the time. Just walking around like... Like, I know that's you, man. You just put a hat on. <laughs> if anybody's ever seen you. SPF long on, ne- on Netflix. All of it. <laughs> um, so, Debbie, if you could star... All right, uh, let me ask this right, though. Okay. So, if there was a movie being made for you, who would star you? What famous actor would star you? And what genre would it be? Oh, wow. Who would star me? And what action would it be? Oh, that's hard. There are a lot of, <laughs> there are not a lot of stars that look like me, I will say. <laughs> it doesn't have to necessarily in, in be someone that looks like you. It can be some maybe oh, your favorite true. actor or who, who you think could best portray you or who you just uh, idolize or something like that. Oh, wow. Well, this is a tough question for me because I, when I grew up, we didn't really watch movies or anything. So my boyfriend literally now he'll say, my God, I can't believe you didn't see that. Like, I've never seen Alien. Like, so I saw Alien like last week or something like that. Or last week, that how does it hold up? Uh, not bad, I would say, actually. So, you pretty much know what's gonna happen. Like, every, yeah, it was like in the 80s, I think. So, 
So yeah, I was like, oh, okay, you know, because they had like a, a, a evil robot, right? So we still have those now, right? I think uh, Tesla's <laughs> we, making one of those. We have right more now, right now than we used to by my count, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah like, I, I mean, thank God we have Will Smith, though. Will Smith will. That's right. I have a robot us. or something. But mm-hmm. yeah, like I've never seen Star Wars, which people still don't understand that part. Nope, like, I don't understand. I would say just watch the Mandalorian. I do not understand. Nope, I don't understand. <laughs> I never, I never got into it, but I do like the Mandalorian. I'm I will suggesting you have to get into it, but I'm not sure how one does it like Star Wars. And for the record, I am a man who's seen so few films. So few films. It tends yes. to annoy anyone who knows me in a personal level. Because I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that is you're talking about. Yeah, I have no frame <clears> of reference. None, zero. <laughs> for, but Star Wars, for, for most of anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've got no. Well, I like the okay. actor though for the Mandalorian. So yeah, I don't oh, know. It's uh, a hard question for me. I don't. That's okay. What what kind of genre movie would you want to star in then? Ooh, okay, that's a good one. So film noir, film noir. So both posts. World War II, Ooh. sarcastic movies where you know, pe- you know the 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 guy gets in some pr- trouble that he tries to get out of and he can't. I don't know. It doesn't sound very optimistic. You mean like uh, I love those like genres. Shaun of the Dead? <laughs> uh, I never saw that one. Like um, like the old movies, like Double Indemnity or Rebecca. What's the famous one? Uh, Sunset Boulevard. That was a film noir. Where the guy was in the pool dead the first, and then he's doing a voiceover to tell you how he got there. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I like those. So, it's kind of well, like these black and white movies, and it's kind of, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it has like wrong, the wrong man scenarios, like something that happens that someone tries to get out of and they can't. It's like, uh, it's a bit of a nail biter. So I, kind of psychological thriller type. Yeah. Okay. Movies. They're pretty good. I like those. That's so the only genre into... that me and my boyfriend agree on. Other than that, we don't agree on anything. A movie so you, related. You're fan. You're a fan of a psychological thriller. Um, yeah. Yes. I got a good one for you if you have HBO Max. Um, and anyone <laughs> listening, because it's a show that not many people know about because it only did one season. What? And it actually has Jason Bateman in it, if you know who Jason Bateman is. Mm-hmm. Um, he is director of it, and he's. Mm-hmm. it's basically one season, but it was a book by um, um, Stephen King. It's called The Outsider. Mm-hmm. So it's basically uh, a mystery thriller um, about, mm-hmm. basically, it, it's kind of like a doppel, not a doppelganger, but uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. So oh, someone that can turn into uh, it's it's phenomenal, and really? I guess they only wanted to. They didn't know where to go after the second season, mm-hmm. so they just or after the first season. But if okay. you're if you're into that kind of stuff, do they, mystery thriller. Do they neatly wrap it up in the first season, or am I getting it to the last episode and be like, son of? I'm I'm gonna be honest, Gabe. I'll get back to you because I I'm on the last episode. I haven't seen the end yet. Yeah, you'll have to let me but know before so far, I invest any more. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, it's, it's really good though. I like the whole idea of it, and you can tell it's a Stephen King kind of problem with streaming oh. these days, right? Like everyone just like seasons, just like I can't do it. Yeah, I can't do it. I hate that. Yeah, it seems like three or four seasons is like the max, and I'm okay with that. Just wrap it up nowadays, cleanly, though. Yeah. Just like just yeah. like wrap right. it up cleanly. Don't leave me out there. It's hard. I would say it's hard to close a show 
uh, it, or a movie. It's, it's hard to have a good ending. To do it good, so yeah. I think the Sopranos probably did. I'll the take best. a bad ending versus the indefinite cliffhanger. I think I like. You know what? I know I might be in a minority there. I might be in a minority. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Sopranos definitely was a cliffhanger because it left it so open for your mind to wonder what happened. Right. Totally. Yeah, exactly. but I think that was. But it was genius because everybody thought that the cable went out. Oh, they did. Everybody's like <laughs> shaking their TV or whatever. Yeah, there was really no good way to end it. If you really think about it, you know that Tony's going to get it at some point. Maybe not that right. night or whatever. I my theory is that he he survived that evening and then he opened a restaurant with Artie Buco. There are no old and gangsters. <laughs> That's all you need to know about the ending. There are no old gangsters. None. Zero. None of them. Right. Um, yeah, eventually they get it. They yeah. get their time. Yeah, exactly. Not, maybe not that night, but yeah, yeah at some point. It was interesting, it. though, because they definitely could have like ended it with him getting killed and then... Totally. Whatever, but... Totally, um, yeah. So this this should be interesting. Do you, do you watch TV shows more than movies? I barely watch anything, but occasionally I'll get... Uh, someone will tell me about a show, and then I'll watch like the whole thing if I can, so... Like, right, so um, this should be this should be interesting before mm-hmm. you answer. Mm-hmm. You've been kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Okay, the la- the characters from the last show that you watched are trying to rescue you. <laughs> Who's coming to save you? <laughs> oh wow! Well, it, well, I will have the misfortune. I think one of the last shows that I watched was that. I think Debbie's in trouble. One of the last shows that I watched all the way through. Was it doesn't even have to be all the way through the last show you watched in general? Oh my god, probably Breaking Bad. Oh yeah, you in trouble? Oh, you in trouble? Right. Yeah, I'm in bad. <laughs> you in trouble? Exactly. Exactly. You in trouble? <laughs> exactly. I want Skinny Pete to come rescue. Mm, yeah. yeah, you in trouble? <laughs> Maybe you can get at least some chicken out yeah, of it no. from no. what from no. El Pollo no. or whatever it's called. No, you in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You are in exactly. trouble. Yeah, I'll be in bad shape. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. Good. So good I will watch you, it with nobody good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or yeah, or long before that though, I watched Dexter, so that would. Be oh another. yeah, no, no yeah, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely in trouble. You're t- thoroughly. In yeah, trouble. exactly. Well, I don't know because Dexter only kills bad people, so you might be good. You might be good. I don't there's Unless Debbie's coming now. after you. <laughs> you know, the thing about serial killers is I don't know that generally I trust their judgment one way or the other. I don't care if they happen to be vigilante serial killers. Right. There's, there's a bit of a... They're killing people. The killing people part just strikes me yes. as problematic. Yeah. Right. It's sort of blood love. So yeah, it's kind of, yeah. It's kind of if they ran out of those people, yeah. they would still do it. Yeah. They would find a new reason. In a way, yeah, it's, right? That's problematic. Well, I Debbie, thank you so much for again coming on the, the show for a second time, and I'm sure many more um, in the future. And we got to come on your show. We oh, yeah, gotta, we got a guest star for you. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, we'll whenever you have, when we're we would love to come on, um, or you could just have Gabe. No, I mean, nonsense. Again, uh, it doesn't work <laughs> without all of the spark plugs. That's how this, it doesn't work. It doesn't. No, I know. I'm go. just teasing. It doesn't go. If you want to just do it with me, Gabe's so busy. I'll, I'll take well, the. Uh, that's true. One of these spark no, plugs doesn't spark quite the way the other one does. That is true. That is accurate. Though. That is accurate. The output, the power but, um, is not the same. You guys are amazing. It, it, 
amazing. <laughs> you know, you have to take your show on the road. I'm telling you. <laughs> we want I to wish. see, but then you know, the Rona hits. Yeah, <laughs> hey, that's still gonna that's still gonna be a possibility um, for 2022. Okay, I I would love to do something like that, or you know, whenever. It's but gonna but Debbie, um, yes, Debbie, thank, thank you, you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure. We love the show, the Debbie Diva. We will make sure that we link to the show in the notes as well, too. Come back mm-hmm. again anytime, Debbie. Come back yeah, again anytime. Yeah, you guys it's are superstars. I really enjoy I love your shows, and I like the little things you all put together with the different clips. And that's, you just, you're doing it big time. Big pimping. <laughs> oh, all right. Big pimping. Oh, all right. All right. Well, I can die happy <laughs> there now. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> My, our podcast is Big Pimpin'. That's it. I'm good. Mr. That's Ivy, hashtag. take us out. <laughs> hashtag Big Pimpin'. Take us out. All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. I just wanted to thank all of you out there for tuning in each and every week. And to all of our amazing guests for coming on. I, I know that there are millions of other shows and it means the world to have you with us on this journey. We are so grateful that you choose to listen to us each and every week. If you like the show, tell a friend, have them tell their friends, and then make maybe make some new friends along the way uh, so we can continue to spread the word and keep learning together. Let's protect what matters most. And by the way, DJ, can you go ahead and drop that outro beat and keep it classy? We'll see y'all next week. <laughs>